Hi, I'm, I'm Pastor Zach, or I used to be Pastor Zach. So. I'll use that joke a lot. So. And I want to thank Pastor Zach for inviting me to speak about Jerusalem. Think about that for a minute. I watched the Ten Commandments, but Cecil B. DeMille, that's close enough, right? Today, I, I want to talk to you about the triumphal entry. You guys know this story. If you went to Sunday school, you know the story of Jesus coming from Jericho. So we're gonna, but we're going to use some of my, like my favorite text because I grew up as a very short little boy, and they called me Zacchaeus. So Luke chapter 19 is my favorite <laughs> chapter about Zacchaeus there. So uh, In the story, you know, Jesus was traveling from Jericho where he saw Zacchaeus, and on the road... Luke's going to show us here through this passage uh, a colt of a donkey, a multitude of people shouting, and then a panoramic view of this city of Jerusalem. When we use the words triumphal entry, what I get in my mind is this picture of a permanent arrival of a military conqueror. And, and we already know that that's not the picture of Jesus, the arrival of this Messiah is not a dynamic politician, and he's not even an earthly king. And the week that's ahead of Jesus, you think about this week, it's going to be a time when he's betrayed. That doesn't sound triumphal. Falsely convicted, tortured, executed. He'll die stripped completely naked on a cross. And that's what's ahead of him the week that we're going to be talking about. And then finally, there on the cross... He's labeled king of the Jews. But it's meant as an act of humiliation when we get to that point. So it's not the triumphal entry expected by a lot of people that might be in this parade we're going to see. But uh, I've been to a few parades. I don't go to a lot of parades because they don't usually invite me as the guest of honor. But um, I'd go if they did. This parade is on, in honor of Jesus. And normally Jesus would refuse. You know how many times Jesus said, don't tell people about me. He healed a man of leprosy, a little girl raised from the dead, a deaf and mute man was healed by Jesus using spit. And when Peter confessed, you are the Christ of God, and uh, the transfiguration, Jesus said, don't tell anyone. And this time, though, he's going to let them. Uh, Jesus knew what was ahead. Before we look at the text, if you happen to have your Bible, just go back to chapter 18, verse 31. Jesus took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be delivered to the Gentiles and will be mocked and insulted and spit upon. They will scourge him and kill him. And the third day he will rise again. But the disciples understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them. And they did not know the things which were spoken. So let's look at our text. Luke 19 verse 28. Talking about the need of God. When Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass... When he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mountain called Olivet, that he sent two of his disciples, saying, 
Go into the village opposite you, where as you enter you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went their way and found it just as he had said to them. But as they were loosing the colt, the owners of it said to them, why are you loosing the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of him. Before we go too far, I want you to actually look at Jerusalem and Bethany. So let's do just a little bit of geography before we move on. Um, Jesus is going from Jericho. He's going to visit Jerusalem, but he's not going to actually sleep there. He's going to spend the nights in a little town of Bethany with his friends. You remember these people, Mary and Martha, Lazarus, their brother, and possibly their father, Simon. We should talk about whether Simon was their father sometime. I'd like to hear your opinion on that one. Uh, so Jesus doesn't actually spend, even spend nights in Jerusalem during this week. He comes back to Bethany where he's comfortable, where uh, Martha is making some donuts or something good. And you guys have read the Bible, right? Jesus has been to Jerusalem before. So this is not something new he's doing. But this time, there's a different focus as he's going to Jerusalem. And I, this, I identify things sometimes a little differently. I picture these two places geographically. Bethany as a place where Jesus felt at home. Where he was comforted. Uh, where he was loved and accepted. And Jerusalem... This is where God was calling him. It wasn't the place Jesus was comfortable at. It wasn't a place of convenience for Jesus. He was answering the call of God. So I kind of picture our church as this is Bethany. You come here, you're safe, you're secure, you're loved by people. And, uh, and we get donuts and uh, bagels. And we feel good. But this isn't where God's called us to. God didn't call us, oh, we're serving God at Connection Point Church at Bethany. God is calling you someplace where you're, you're not comfortable, where you, it's not going to be convenient for you. That's your Jerusalem, wherever that might be. For some of you, it's at a school. For some of you, it's in your own home that God's calling you to do the will of God. So let's move from geography now over to zoology. I think that's the right science. You Purdue graduates can correct me. We're going to talk about the little donkey, the, the colt that's in this passage. And he's described as because the Lord has need of it. Everyone say, the Lord has need of it. The Lord has need of it. God needed a donkey. And I have to admit right now this is... In this whole sermon, I identify with this donkey more than the other two points whatsoever. Think about this. When God first created donkeys, we've been doing creation on Wednesday nights. God knew the purpose for which he was creating these animals. Thankfully, Kevin, many of them were food. But the donkey, when he created that donkey, those first donkeys, Jesus knew that the descendant of those donkeys would have to bear the Messiah into Jerusalem 
during his Passion Week, during the week before his crucifixion. It kind of boggles my mind. God needed a donkey. Almighty God, creator of the universe, created the donkey, transcendent above time and space, eternal, omnipotent. And what does he want? A donkey. See who I identify with this? Do you see it, Larry? Are you catching on? This is just so ordinary to use a donkey. Why? I would rather, I would say, oh, not the donkey, Jesus. How about we've got a, a horse? We've got a beautiful horse, white, with the long mane. And, or how about that, those chariots from Ben-Hur? Now, that had been a way to go into town. If it was me instead of Jesus, I'm taking the chariots. I mean, didn't Jesus have the power to pick any mode of transportation that he wanted? But he chose the donkey because the donkey showed he was a man of peace, meek and lowly, as Zechariah says. Not a political Messiah, his kingdom not an earthly kingdom. So he rode a boring donkey. But the donkey maybe wasn't as boring as you think. It says nobody ever rode the donkey before. He was unbroken, this colt. And again, it's me. This was me. And then Jesus sits on him and you can't say he's not broke anymore, can you? As soon as Jesus got on the colt, that colt was broken. So there I am again. Tony, do you see what I'm saying? I'm proud. I'm unrepentant. I'm a sinner. And when Jesus comes to me, I'm broken, repentant of my sin. So I, I identify with this donkey. I hope you guys do too. And I think of the guy that owned the donkey. He owned this colt. When I was a kid, you didn't lock your car. How many of you guys are old enough to remember you don't lock your car? And how many of you are old enough to live like in Covington, Indiana, where you actually left the key under the mat because somebody might need it? I've known people that... Uh, They'd see their truck going down, you know, down in Kingman and say, oh, yeah, I guess so-and-so needed my truck today. He'll bring it back. You don't do that anymore, people. Well, I, this guy just said, oh, yeah, uh, if the Lord needs it, here, here's the colt. He gave it to God. We need to give everything we are, everything we have. I don't know what your donkey is that, you're, that you own that the Lord needs. Does the Lord need anything? But yet he does. How can he act in this world if he doesn't have you to speak or you to witness or you to live for God outside of here? This is how God does things. Does he need us? No. Does he need us? Absolutely. I want to be needed by God. I have some friends um, I went to Bible school with. And I can remember, I uh, went to Bible school out in Rhode Island. Now they moved it to Massachusetts. But uh, you might have, we sang a lot of songs. One, one of the, my friends was a good singer. You might remember uh, this old song. It said, it may not be on the mountain's height or over the stormy sea. It may not be at the battle's front my Lord will have need of me. But if by a still small voice he calls to paths I do not know. I'll answer, dear Lord, with my hand in yours. I'll go 
where you want me to go. I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord, over mountain or plain or sea. I'll say what you want me to say, dear Lord. I'll be what you want me to be. The, my, my friends are uh, named Denny and Debbie Seller. Debbie at one time was the National Missionettes Director. And uh, Denny had the room next to mine, and he thought I was flirting with uh, Debbie when I was in college, and he, uh, he took me down. <laughs> he told me I had bought the farm. I, I didn't know, that's a bad thing, by the way. You don't want I was not flirting with Debbie. She just has a, she was a beautiful singer. Um, they answered God's call to go down to Costa Rica. Wouldn't that be nice? God call you to Costa Rica? Hoo-hoo! <laughs> so there's a picture, uh, hopefully up there, of them in 2016. That's this year, February. Uh, one year ago, they, uh, my roommate, Tiff Shuttlesworth, was down there doing a crusade in Costa Rica. So here's Tiff and Debbie and Denny. That night, when Debbie and Denny left the crusade, a gang was in their home. They pulled into the garage and four men with guns pulled them from their car. One of the men with his glove on put his hand down Debbie's throat to keep her from calling for help. Squeezed her so tightly that she was injured. Tied them both up. Stole, took everything they had out of their pockets in the garage. Tied them up, put them on the bed. And ordinarily, the gang members would have killed them when they got done getting what they needed from them. You don't, you don't want to kill somebody before you have their, all their keys and uh, where, all their passwords and things like that. But uh, the four gang members came back to the bedroom and said, give us your keys. And then he said, I gave you everything in the garage. You took everything that I own. So they went back to the garage to look and somehow, accidentally, the alarm went off on their house. It, it's not the right time for it to go off, but the alarm went off, the police were alerted, and the gang members left without killing Debbie and Denny. So they uh, got temporary visas, came back. He, she was in the hospital for a while down there. I don't know. What, what are hospitals like in Costa Rica, Anna? Are they any good? I don't know. Are they? Um, I think they came back to Pennsylvania. They got counseling. The Assemblies of God required tra uh, trauma counseling for them. And they went back to Costa Rica. To me, this is just amazing. You know why they went back? Because they're like that donkey. They felt like the Lord needed them in Costa Rica. And then their Facebook status says the new missions theme. It says... Any place, any price. Isn't that phenomenal? That's, to me, that's their lives. Whatever it costs them, I'm entitled to nothing. God owes me nothing good. I owe everything to God. And so I ask myself, what does my faith cost me this week? See, it's, so, it's possible that some people will turn to God with the, the wrong motives as I look at this passage. I wonder if some people were thinking they could get something from God. Serving God's about what we can give him, I think. But some people think, well, what can we get? So let's move on from the need of the donkey to the need of worship. The shouting of the multitude. Luke chapter 19, verse 35. 
Then they brought him to Jesus, the colt. And they threw their own clothes on the colt, and they set Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered and said, them I tell you that if these should keep silent the stones would immediately cry out the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice these were some emotional people what were they emotional because they thought they would get something from Jesus some of this group had seen Lazarus raised from the dead that's a, that's a lot of motivation there to say, this guy could raise my dead loved ones. Maybe they were motivated by thinking that Jesus would do something like that for them. Um, they were waving palm branches. The book of John is the only one that records palm branches. But they were waving palm branches, and that can be a sign of a, a political, military movement, waving palm branches. So maybe they thought that Jesus would be this deliverer to throw off the oppression of the Roman government. But I don't think that about this crowd. This crowd began to praise Jesus because Jesus was there. That's the way that I see this. Here, here's Jesus. Nothing else. Look at this passage. Do you see a haze machine? No. Two guitars and a drummer? No. None of those things. What was there? Jesus and that donkey that I love. But they, it wasn't because of the donkey, was it? Does don donkey make you guys, I'm really going to worship the Lord. Oh. No. It's just because Jesus was there. F freedom from stuff is a good thing. I don't, you guys know I don't have any problem with stuff. If you've ever been over in uh, Children's Church, Brightside, you know I like stuff. So. But we've got to get beyond that where it's just me and Jesus. An old, old song. You guys are way too old to remember the Jericho Road song. There's room for just to just meet Jesus and you. You guys are way too young for that. So I'm old enough to know what it is. And old enough to actually make it a Facebook status last week. So, <laughs> It was just Jesus. King of kings. Nothing else. And Jesus said to them, when they, they said, now tell them be quiet. They're getting too loud. They're, uh, we're Presbyterians here. So if you would just calm it down. Jesus said, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Do you remember what Jesus said in John chapter 4? The hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. God is spirit. You 
our spirit. The Bible talks about in Corinthians that we're only living in a tent. Our body is not our permanent dwelling. I'm not a body. I am a spirit temporarily housed in a body. Your body's not what makes you human. It is the image of God that makes you human. Nothing else. Dean Hamer, I think he's some kind of scientist. He wrote a book, The God Gene, in 2004. And he said there's actually a gene that codes for VMAT2. I'm not even going to read what that stands for. A protein that wraps chemical messengers in vesicles for transport through the nerve fibers and is crucial to many brain functions, including the function of religion. So in a study of religion, Dean Hamer came down with the idea that it is basically just a chemical reaction in your brain. And you guys know Richard Dawkins, who knows everything. If you know him, you know how funny that is. Okay. And he said in his book, River Out of Eden, DNA neither cares nor knows. DNA just is. And we dance to its music. In other words, everything you do is predetermined by DNA. Everything. Absolute determinism. So the fact that you're in church, according to him, would be today is that your DNA brought you here. So it's, a, it's either a chemical in your brain or it's actually in your DNA. Uh, Brick Johnstone said, we have found a neuropsychological basis for spirituality, but it's not isolated to one specific area of the brain. And they kind of linked it to the right parietal lobe. So that is what makes religion. Let me give you some advice. Anybody that does a study or a Facebook meme, and they lump all religions together as the same, isn't fair to any of the religions They're all painted incorrectly. I've been lumped together as a fundamentalist and all kinds of things. And never an accurate portrait can come out of that. Your brain cells, your DNA, the chemicals in your brain have nothing to do with you getting saved. No physical part of your brain can forgive your sins. A.W. Tozer Citing from Hebrews 11, you know Hebrews 11.3, By faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things that are made, things that are seen were not made of things that can be seen, but of things which are uh, invisible. A.W. Tozer says, Faith is an organ of perception. By faith we understand. You don't have a real understanding of the material world until you have true faith in God. God is spirit. He draws people to worship him in spirit. You are spirit. You need to worship. It's a basic human need. And if you don't worship the one true God, you are probably going to find something else to fill that gap and worship him or her or it. It's a basic need. God created us that way because we're created in the image of God. Scripture indicates that it's like a hunger or thirst. When I want a cup of coffee, when I need a cup of coffee, 
Instant Folgers is not good enough. <laughs> Gas station decaf, not going to make it. I know when I need coffee what I need to do. When you're hungry, you can look at pictures of food, but nothing's going to satisfy but a meal. How many of you are hungry already? All right. Nothing will satisfy you but real food. <clears throat> My dad used to try to catch mice. He'd put a picture of cheese in the trap, and it, it worked. He caught a picture of a mouse. You, a picture of a sandwich is, is no good. I want a real sandwich. I ate a tuna sandwich this week. It was very satisfying. But then I was having a strange dream that night. This is true. Did you guys see my, how many of you have seen my Facebook thing? And Liz had had tuna at her job where she worked. She'd taken, I didn't know she was eating tuna. I was eating tuna sandwich. And I was having this dream that I was in the Himalayas. And someone had carved this great big box out of stone. And me and a couple of people climbed up into it. And somebody hit a lever and the bottom fell out of the box. And there was a tiger inside there. And I was falling to this tiger. And just then I fell out of bed and I woke up. And my wife grabbed me by the shoulders. My shoulders were still up on the bed. She grabbed me by the shoulders and she said, Zach, Zach. She thought I was dying. Now, how did my wife know that I dreamed a tiger was going to eat me and kill me? It's the tuna. I believe that. When you need a sandwich, you've got, you've got to get a sandwich. But what you need, as a human being, you need to worship God. Let's look at the tears of the Savior. Verse 41. And as he drew near to Jerusalem, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you and close you in on every side and level you and your children with you to the ground. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation." When I was a child, I didn't understand what it meant for the Passion Week. I thought it meant Jesus was a very passionate person. But actually, the Passion Week comes from the Latin word passionus. Sounds like something from Harry Potter, doesn't it? Passionus. And it actually just means suffering. A week of suffering. But that's not to say that Jesus was a cold alien from some other place. Jesus was an emotional person. And here Jesus is crying. He wept. Remember, he cried at Lazarus' tomb. He uh, was indignant at his disciples for not letting little children come. Jesus was angry that on the Sabbath, the Pharisees didn't want him to perform a healing. Jesus actually went through in John chapter 2, and if you look just one verse ahead of us, you'll see he cleansed the temple twice. He became so zealous for the Lord. He saw the city and wept over it. I think of Isaiah chapter 53. He is despised and rejected by men, 
a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. As the musicians are getting ready to play, I want you to consider when Jesus was crying over this city as he, as he approached it, he realized whatever it took to bring peace to them, they had missed it. They had missed this opportunity, this time of visitation. But look at what Jesus saw. How did Jesus at this time understand that in 70 AD the Roman general Titus was going to come and bring Jerusalem to the ground. This is what he's describing. He's describing when Titus brings in the army and they destroy Jerusalem. The Jews are driven out and they're not allowed to return until the fourth century. If Jesus could see A.D. 70, from where he was standing, then Jesus can see you here today. And what drew him to the cross, what brought the King of Kings on the little donkey, had to be that Jesus could see where you are, that you need Jesus, that you need to give your life to God, give it all to God. Answer the call like Denny and Debbie did. Whatever God calls me to, whatever it costs, whatever that place is, answer that call of God. It's time to give everything to God. You'll never, you'll look, but you will never find true satisfaction until you've given yourself completely to God. pastor is going to come and pray with us before he does that I'm going to give you a chance to come forward we're going to pray and then we've got a, a prayer room off to the side after we dismiss where you can spend as much time as you want calling on the Lord but I want to ask you right now every, would you stand up everybody Make that way your knees are not in the way I'm asking you to come stand up here saying, I'm giving everything to God. I, I identify with that donkey. I want to be needed by God. I need to give my life, my heart, my mind, everything to Jesus. Your heart cries out, the Lord has need of you. Your heart cries out to worship in spirit and in truth. Your heart cries out to respond to the tears of Jesus. Today, it's the time of your visitation for the Lord. Would you come right now? Stand at the front. Pastor Zach's going to lead us in prayer in a minute. Would you come? Give yourself to Jesus completely.
song time this morning, one of the words that was shared is that the Lord was showing someone today a, a waterfall, a picture of the Holy Spirit's anointing just falling into this room. And part of that being connected to an understanding that there's somebody here today that needs to make a decision to follow Jesus. And so I just want to take a moment here as we close. If you just bow your heads in a posture of prayer, you don't need to sit down. But if you're here today and have yet to make that decision to follow Jesus, Pastor Zach laid out that God desires to use you for his kingdom. He has purpose for you in your life. But there is a choice you've got to make to say yes to Jesus. There is something in your soul that longs to be reconnected with its creator. And we just want to give you opportunity to make that decision here today. So if you are here today and you want to say yes to Jesus, to say, yes, Jesus, I want to be reconnected with you as my creator, I just invite you to raise your hand here this morning. Just raise your hand right where you're at to say, yes, I want to say yes to you, Jesus. Yes, thank you over here on the left. Thank you right here in the middle. Yes, thank you for this person here in the middle as well. Somebody else here today wants to make a decision to follow Jesus. Thank you right here in the back. Yes, thank you over here on the right. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else looking up in the balcony? Thank you in the front row on the balcony. Thank you, Lord. Here's what I want to do here today because what we find in Scripture is that the seed of the gospel falls upon different kinds of soil. That there's a different readiness for soil and the seed has fallen on at least five different soils here today. But I want this to be a good soil. So I know that you're in a room full of people that love you, they are for you, and they want you to be reconnected with your creator in a genuine way. We don't want you to walk out of here with what, what instruction is, where do I go next? I, I don't just say yes to Jesus. We want to pray with you, but we also want to give a Bible into your hands and say, where do you go from here? And really the best way for you to do that is for you to just step out, and we're going to take you to a side room to give you a Bible, to give you instruction on what you can start to do as you're following Jesus. So if you don't mind, if you rose your, raise your hand here this morning, if you don't mind to step out into the aisle, feel free to squeeze by that person you're sitting next to. Come out here to the front. We're just going to lead you to the side. Pastor Jennifer, if you don't mind to go over to the side door here, we're just going to lead you out with some people from our prayer team that they want to pray with you, and they want to give you a Bible and share with you where you go from here. So if you raise your hand here this morning to say yes to Jesus, if you don't mind just to come, step out in the aisle where you're at, Come down here to the front, and, and Jennifer's going to take you off to the side here. Thank you, for, thank you for coming. Anybody else, feel free to come. We had several hands here today. Somebody else come. Yes, let's, let's just encourage those people that made that decision, that said yes to Jesus here today. Step on out and come aside here with Jennifer. Thank you for coming. So as you're stepping out, they'll take you out to the side room right here, and they'll give a Bible into your hands. Thank you, Lord. Let's just praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you're doing here in this place. As people want to dedicate their lives to you to say yes to you and your plan for their life. God, we just pray that you continue to be glorified in the lives in this room that have already made the decision to follow you. But Lord, continue to speak, spirit speak into our lives. God, we want to dedicate this place into your name. And Lord, that your will be accomplished here. We're going to continue to worship just for a moment longer. One of the other things that was spoken here is, you know, it's one thing to make a decision for Christ, but he also wants to empower you in his name by his spirit. We preached a couple of months ago on what it means to be empowered to live like Jesus matters. So if you want to be prayed for here this morning 
to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. If that's something new for you, there's a booklet in the back of your seat. It talks about being naturally supernatural. I encourage you to take that. Um, But if you've heard that word and you want to be empowered to live in Jesus' name, be empowered to worship personally, but also to be able to share and proclaim his message publicly. I encourage you as we continue to worship, feel free to come down here to the front and we'll have people pray with you and agree with you in prayer that the Lord will also uh, fill you with his spirit here today that you might go out and power in his name. So let's continue to worship.
God, we thank you for sending your son. Jesus, we thank you for providing yourself as a sacrifice for our sins that we would no longer live in separation from God, but we could be united with him. So Lord, we just pray that your, your sacrifice meant we could be reconnected with our creator, but also to be reconnected with one another. That your word says that your sacrifice broke down the dividing wall of hostility between Jew and Greek. And so God, we pray that you would restore relationships between husbands and wives, Lord, between parent and child, between grandparent and grandchild. God, we pray for restored relationships in Jesus' name. And God, we pray that if there are people in this room that, that need that relationship with you and they did not respond, that you would continue to draw them by your Holy Spirit. We thank you for what you've done here today. And Lord, we want to go here and leave from here in your name, worshiping in truth in what we say and what we do and what we think. We praise your holy name, Jesus. And in your strong name, we ask all of these things. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. May he show you his mercy and give you his peace. Amen. May you go with God.